Um, until last night, Danny was not sure what he was going to speak about this morning. And sometimes it's not easy to know what to speak on. And I've learned that God sometimes waits until the 90th minute or the last minute to give us something. So if you've been watching the news or you've been listening to the media and uh, listening to the radio, you know that our country is in a time uh, not a very good time. And I'm not talking about national security from an enemy from the outside. But I'm speaking, I'm speaking about the situation in our country with our government and our heads of leaders of our government. I'm very happy that Gidon took the time to really pray for our president, Moshe Katsav, because most people are just speaking about him. And God is calling his people to pray. This morning I felt that I needed to speak about the message of faith. And so without me really realizing it or knowing it, yesterday at the women's meeting here in the congregation, a message was given of hope. And I believe that this is connected. And I believe that when we leave here today, that we will leave here closer to God. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, the first verse. Jeremiah 5, 1. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know, and seek in her open places. If you can find a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth or faith, and I will pardon her. Faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask that you'd help us to open our hearts this morning to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Father, we ask that you would help us to put aside every thought that would try to capture us and take us. But Father, we want to hear what you have to say to us now. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Um, Danny's not sure how it is in the English or the Russian translation, but specifically says in the Hebrew translation, one who seeks faith. Uh, my translation says truth. And we read from the New Covenant that Scripture says when Yeshua comes back to the country, to the land, will he find faith on the earth? <laughs> if Yeshua came back to the world right now, would he really find faith now? It's a good question. I believe that for many of us, we have a certain amount of faith, a certain measure of faith. If not, we ne not necessarily would be here. Each person that you ask, do you believe in something? For sure, he has something that he puts his belief and faith and trust in. A person who believes in evolution, he believes in something. Then he believes in the fact that we were created or came from a monkey. So each one of you sitting here, you each have a certain amount of faith. Most of us sitting here believe in Yeshua. But my question is, and I believe that God is asking each one of us, do we have the amount of faith that God is seeking and requesting at this time? 
says here, run through the streets, go out into the streets and look for someone who is seeking faith. God says that he is going to execute judgment and he is seeking someone who has faith so that he will can pardon. And most of us, when we pronounce who we are, we usually say, I'm a believer in Yeshua. And so when I say this, I'm pronouncing that I'm a man of faith or a woman of faith. I'm a person who believes. Danny has really given much study to the word faith or belief, and he's going to share with us. For some of you, it might be something new. For sure, faith or trust is not just a point of saying, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. It's this deep feeling down inside that I believe. That's only the beginning. So the word faith comes from the word belief or believed. Danny says for himself he has not seen Yeshua face to face, but I've, he has read it and he believes it. Nobody had to come and explain it to him scientifically. Nobody came to me from the time of Yeshua's time and said, I saw him. I read. The Holy Spirit came to Danny and proved it in Danny. And he believed. And some people see this as a type of weakness. Ma, what do you believe in these certain type of things? Many people say, if I don't see it with my eyes, I will not believe. This is like the virus of Thomas. Thomas was one of Yeshua's disciples. And after Yeshua died and was crucified, died and rose again, he came to the disciples. Thomas wasn't exactly there. Maybe he was out fishing or doing something else. We're not sure why he wasn't there with the rest of the disciples. Danny says maybe he went shopping. And Rova says maybe he went shopping. I said maybe he went fishing. <laughs> and so somehow or another he missed the revelation of Yeshua. He came back and the disciples said, wow, we saw Yeshua. He, he rose from the dead. You missed it. And he says to them, yeah, right. And they say, no, no, we saw him. We saw him. We really did. And he says to them, unless I put my hand, my finger in his side where he was pierced and in his hand where he was crucified, then I will believe him. And then Yeshua came to him. And he says to, to Thomas, come, give me your hand. And then he looks at God, at Yeshua, and he says, you are my God. Thomas saw and believed. But afterwards, Yeshua says, blessed are those who believe and they have not yet seen. There's a special blessing for those who believe, even though they have not seen with their eyes. I'm going to give you a few scriptures, and you can write these down. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. There are many people who say, I believe. And that's it. That's not enough. To say that, to, to say that you believe is not enough because the Word of God says even the demons believed and they were terrified. Uh, sorry, James in the New Covenant, chapter 2. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. 
There's so much to say about faith, and it's going to be hard to just say it in a few minutes. But I believe that we've prayed that what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us, He will say, and He will do. From James in the New Covenant, chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. It starts in the Hebrew word, Ahai, to my brothers, to the believers, my belie- the people who believe in Messiah. What does it profit someone if he has faith but he does not have works? Can faith save him? I am, is it possible that faith by itself can save? Let's see what he says. Verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Faith is something that is active, something that is alive. Faith in Messiah definitely saves us, gives us salvation, but it doesn't finish there. But because the scripture definitely says to us that faith without works profits nothing. So let's say that you're walking along the street and you see somebody that's laying in the street and he says, oh, hello, help me. And you come to him and you put your hand on him and you say, oh, Yeshua will bless you. Don't worry, everything will be okay. Pray. And then you just keep going. Is this faith? It's not counted before God. The faith that's in you causes you to react and to do something. This man in front of you, he has a need. He's been praying. He's crying out to God that somebody will help him. And you are the answer for him. God sent you faith without works. Look what verse 17 says. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith is dead. If it's not mixed with works. And he continues here and he says, he talks about a very famous man in the Torah named Abraham. We will not return to there. Like most of you know, Abraham was a very old man, and his wife was very old as well, Sarah, somewhere around the age of 90. He says to himself, okay, God has not given a seed for me, even though he promised. So maybe the seed, this promise will come from one of the other family members that are under my wing. And God reveals himself to him and speaks to him. God says to him, from you, I will bring a seed, a descendant. Your wife will bring forth a son. And he took him out of the tent and he showed him all the stars of the heavens. Sometimes here when, I, when Danny goes outside and he looks at the sky at nighttime, he can count the seed, the, the stars. But one time Danny was on Mount Sinai in the night and he looked up at the heavens. And he says it's one of the most spectacular things he ever, he's ever seen in his life. The stars in the heavens were so close one to another that it was so hard to differentiate one between the other and so hard to count. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed in something that was not natural. Is there anybody here that's at the age of 90? Mm, nope. There's nobody here at the age of 90. Danny says he's seen his grandmother at the age of 90 and that there's no, there's no hope there. To think that she could actually give birth, you really need faith. The way that we have decided to walk the walk of, of faith in Messiah really requires faith and trust, belief.
And so you simply believe. I, I remember with the story of Luann's mother, Luann is Danny's wife, and everything she believed. If somebody says to her something, she would believe. Somebody did something, she believed it. And so I thought to myself, what kind of woman is this? Everybody's like taking advantage of her and she's very gullible. She believes in everything. And so somehow or another, I found the logical way to look at things. And this is not logical. But God wants to give us a simple faith. He said, he said it, he'll do it. That's who he is. He's faithful. Later on in Abraham's life, God says to Abraham, take this promise that I've promised to you, this son of yours, and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham got up, and he went to do it. You see the faith and the action. In the New Covenant, in Romans chapter 10, in discipleship class, they've learned these scriptures by memory. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe it in my heart. I believe it in my heart. Nobody really knows this, but I believe it in my heart. But salvation, salvation doesn't come just because you believe something in your heart. But salvation comes because you also confess with your mouth. This is not easy. Sometimes the situations that we are in do not always give us the possibility to say what we believe in. But our faith should be revealed through our mouth. I believe. There are certain times that the Holy Spirit will say to you, do not reveal your faith of what you believe in right now. Like Mordechai said to Esther, do not say it this time about your faith at this time. But when it came to the time of testing, it was really hard for her. But thanks be to God that she overcame this and she said to the king what she believes. But God requires of each of us in every situation that we are in to confess with our mouth in what we believe. And so further on in the scripture, we see that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by someone reading out the word of God. There's a TV program um, on TV, very special, a very special uh, a man named Uri Geller. He's a very famous magician. And it's called uh, Uri Geller, and he's looking for his successor. And he's like a witch. He is a witch. He has a lot of power, and the whole country is talking about this. Danny has not seen the television program, nor have I, but he has heard. But it uh, seems that uh, on this television program, Uri Geller tries to read the thoughts from somebody else, and, and thoughts are supposed to be passed between one person to the other. And there are people that can do this. Uh, some people think that maybe through their, through their thought they could say, I'll let him know through my thoughts that I'm a believer in Messiah. But somehow or another, God will reveal to this person that I'm speaking to that I'm a believer in Yeshua. It doesn't work like this. It's, the scripture best definitely says, say it out. Say it out with your mouth. Confess it to believe in our heart and to confess it with our mouth. In John chapter 12, 
verses 42 and 43. John 12, 42 and 43 says, Even a lot of the, belie- the leaders of the land at the time believed in Yeshua. It says they, did not, they believed in Yeshua, but they did not love him because they were worried more about the honor that they would get from men rather than from God. To believe is to really believe in what God says, to have faith. So the other part of the definition of believe and faith is to really um, train and to practice. And uh, Danny knows that uh, Pastor David likes to go to a, like a sports room. Danny doesn't like to do that. There's a part of training that we need to go through for our faith. That means to actually practice and to train on certain things and to build up within yourself a type of practicing daily. First Timothy chapter 4. Let's turn there. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4 verses 8 and 9. For bodily exercise profits little. Godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that is now is and that which is to come this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance let's read verse 7 but reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself towards godliness physical exercise is good for our bodies and Danny recommends that but there is spiritual exercise that is needed for our spirituality and closeness with the Lord what does it mean to really um, train yourself or exercise yourself towards godliness? To train yourself to listen to God. I am, Danny says, I am in favor of discipline and putting a type of regularity on our lives. Many people that believe will believe only through the Holy Spirit I, I, that everything will get done. I don't need discipline. But I say to you, this type of thinking is not from God because it's not, this type of thing is not found in the, in the scripture. Believer needs to have a life of discipline because also if there is no discipline, there is no order in your life. If you read the New Covenant or you read the Torah and the Old Covenant, you'll read that God is a God of order. There are some people that it is hard for them to pray. And when I say pray, I don't mean just like getting up in the morning and saying, hey, good morning, God, and here I am ready to start the day. But it really means to take personal time, quality time, to be in the presence of God. There are some people that say, I'm not a morning person, I'm an evening person. And sometimes this is true. Danny and his wife, Luann, are totally different. And she wakes up and she gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And Danny usually stays awake till about 12 o'clock at night usually. Part of this comes because of a choice that he has made. When Danny was in the army, he had no option there. That he would say to his commander, well, I'll stay up really late uh, at night and take care of things, and then I'll stay in bed, you know, the next morning. And he's asking Yoni, who's in the army, if this is true. Yoni has just finished his army duty not too long ago. You have to put into practice discipline in your life to get up at a certain time and to do certain things, to pray, to read the word of the Lord. We need this discipline. Amen. If you say somewhere during the rest of the day, I'll get it done. Usually you'll find yourself 
at the end of the day in bed very tired, and then you start a new day, and it's the same story day after day after day. We are soldiers in God's army, and the soldiers in God's army are disciplined, and we have discipline in our life. Discipline in your life teaches you to stay with one thing and to finish it. Sometimes uh, thinks about the priests in the temple, how they were disciplined. Every morning they got up, they had the same job every morning, sacrifices. They did this out of discipline and knowing the, to do the will of God. Sometimes God calls us to come away from all of those things that could that could take us and, and sometimes even certain things in our life, whether it's a TV or a computer or other things that can really take us out of the purity. And so then you have the decision, I will not go into those things or look at those things. You start out of a practice of your life to step away from those things. And then you see that as you do this daily, it becomes part of who you are. In this type of instance, so in this one it says in First Timothy 4, it says to stay away from the old wives' fables, or most people like to talk, but people are either, either one of two things. They either love to talk or they are very, very quiet. And there are some people that come to you with a lot of different ideas and different stories so many fables, things that have happened, things that maybe have nothing at all to do with the, the Word of God. And they spend most of their time and most of their thoughts thinking on these stories or fables. You know, some people talk about the second coming of Christ, and this is all they think about, all they talk about. When Christ will come back? Will, we, will it be for a thousand years? How will He come? Where will He come? When will He come? Will the second temple be built, not be built? And this is something that keeps them busy day after day after day. Most of all, thank goodness, these people are, are somehow drawn to Jerusalem. Sometimes here in Haifa or up here at the Keilah, we have a few stragglers that stay around that are worried about these types of things. Most of them are drawn to Jerusalem. Sometimes these people let these types of thoughts um, take over their whole life and they miss what God really is wanting to say to them now and how he wants to work in them and through them now. So exercise yourself to, to do good, good works and to do always, always when you have a chance to say and to speak and to do, do it so that it becomes part of your life. Always look and say, where can I be of help? Where can I be a servant, service? How can I help somebody else? Not always to be looking at ourselves, but to be searching out others. Sometimes there are so many problems. And so sometimes our problems cause us to just look at ourselves and our problems and not the people around us. So Danny's found a special way to overcome his personal problems. It's actually by helping somebody else. And then all of a sudden, God gives you a breakthrough. Exercise yourself in these things. The third thing that is connected to faith is, is being faithful. We've talked about trusting in the Word, talked about practicing or discipline, 
Now we're talking about being faithful. Do you know that God is a faithful God? Amen. Amen. How many of you know that God is a faithful God? He is somebody. That is his character to be faithful. In the scripture verse, it talks about that he is faithful even when we are unfaithful. There's a, there's a story that Danny has read and has blessed his heart in the book of Hosea. Danny, as a married man, always thinks about the connection between the husband and the wife. I wanted to just speak for a few minutes about the faith and the faithfulness of God. Hosea was the son of Barry. God used him to speak to the children of Israel, especially the ten tribes. And the things that he spoke were really... And we read that Danny says, if God asked all the men from this congregation to do some of the things that he asked Hosea, it would be very difficult. I believe chapter 1, verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord spoke to Hosea. The Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry, children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So Hosea is a righteous man. He walks according to God's will. He follows after God as much as he can. So also the prophets had dreams to have a family, to raise up a family in Israel. God calls him to take a wife of harlotry, and to take in the children that were a result of her being a harlot. Danny thinks for himself, how would Hosea have felt? We do not know this by scripture. But he did what God told him to do. Verse 3, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So his life, his family life started. He had a son, and they called his name Jezreel. And later, he had two more children. And according to what some of the, what some of the other places uh, tell us about these other two children that were born of him were probably children that were not born from him, from his seed. The daughter they called Lo-Ruhama, and the third one called not, my, not of My People, or Lo-Ami. And so these names were actually names that were given to them because of things that were happening to the children of Israel during this time that they were living in. So I don't want to go too much, but you'll see later in the scriptures here that this same woman, Gomer, left Hosea. And where did she go? Verse 7. Uh, we're in a different chapter here, sorry. Aha, uh -huh, chapter 2, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7, yes, yes, she will seek them, but she will not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. So we see here that Gomer says, I want to go back to my first husband. I do not want to stay with Gomer, uh, with, with Hosea. Sorry. You can read through the rest of the scripture. The grace of God in our lives is something so special. But the moment that I take this grace of God and I put it under my foot and I trample it, then God allows judgment to come. His judgment also comes as one of the ways that he stretches us forth so that we could come back to him in love. So it says here that she says that she wants to go back to her first husband, a place where it was better than, than it was now, but she really didn't have anything. So then she will then have judgment. 
but the grace of God and the love of God. Thank God that it does not depend upon who we are or what we have done. Look what he says in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. Amen. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak comfort to her. I will give her the vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. He says, I'm going to take Gomer into a place of a wilderness. There I will speak to her heart. If you remember that this valley of Ahor is from when Ahan stole the bounty. In the area where there was failure, this valley of Ahor, in this area where there was failure, he is going to change it into a door of hope. And if you read the rest of the chapter, you'll see how God blesses, how he changes the names of the children. And he gives hope to the same woman. In chapter 3, after these promises, then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of God for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So Gomer went to be with her beloved and says to Hosea, Go again. Go and buy her. So Hosea goes. So it says, I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, Hosea said to her, you will stand with me and stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be towards you. What a wonderful picture of God that shows us his faithfulness through this story. What he says about the children of Israel is that you have come out of the land of Egypt. I've brought you to myself. God has blessed you. And then they say, the children of Israel say to God, we want to go back to Egypt. But God says, in all of this, I will give you a chance. I will come personally to you and take you to myself. And it seems to us that maybe Hosea didn't even have a whole lot of money because he paid part money and part barley. For me, it's a, a picture of the Messiah for each one of us. He came and he bought us. He bought each one of us. And the price that he paid to buy each one of us cost him everything, his life. He sent his son for us, for you and I, and he spilled his blood. He called us and he's faithful to us. And the question is, will we stay faithful to him? A person who believes. The character of God, of the belief of God, is found also in him. God is the one only in his life. He will stay faithful to him completely. He will not mix his life with pagans or with false things. Even when we fall, he comes in his love and he draws us again to himself. The fourth thing about faith comes from the word like a artist, someone who is very artistically talented and people of faith produce artistic 
things and they produce more faith. God produces something in you and then you go and make it into something else. It talks about the Michelangelo where he was going in a field and he was looking for a rock. And so he saw a huge rock there that was there for thousands of years. And he says to his servants, I want that rock. And they say to themselves, what's with this rock? I mean, what's this rock got? So they take this huge rock, the stone, into his workroom. And with his hammer and chisel, he starts, he starts with this rock. And all of a sudden, he has a work of art. And this is what God is calling us. I thought, what does it mean to be an artist, a person of God who is an artist? I believe that God is calling us to produce a reality of a life in Christ that will cause others to want to know Yeshua. God calls us to God calls us to be a people who will have produce a faith in a reality that will help us to produce a walk of God and for others to be drawn to God. He always produced reality so that others would be called unto him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2, this scripture verse always challenges Danny. 1 Corinthians 2, and I believe it will also challenge you. Here Paul is speaking. He's speaking about the cross and um, chapter 2, verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, when he was teaching, he was able to produce a reality that people would be drawn to the faith and accept the faith of Messiah. He didn't always speak to the head or to the brain of the people, to their intellect but he spoke to the power of God. And this is one of the wonderful things that God does. And if we are able to teach people and talk to people and only through the head or through the intellect, if we try to convince them through special words or phrases, there's no power in it. My prayer for you, my prayer for you is that every time that we have the opportunity to open our mouth and to confess Messiah Yeshua, that it will come in the power of the Holy Spirit to produce the reality so that people will believe. Amen. John chapter 11, there's a wonderful story about Lazarus. Lazarus died. He had two sisters, Martha and Miriam, who loved him so much. Before he died, his sisters called to Yeshua and said, Yeshua, please come, touch him and heal him. He's very sick. And Yeshua did not come quickly. He waited a few days. And then he came. And by then, Lazarus was already dead and he was in the grave. So when he comes, Martha says to Yeshua, Yeshua, if you were only here earlier, my brother would still be alive. And then Miriam comes to him and says the same thing. If you were only here, Yeshua, my brother would have lived. Everything would be okay. And then Yeshua says to them, If you believe, 
you will see the glory of God. This is what God is telling us this morning. Yeshua is telling us. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. When Danny read this story, he didn't really think of this beforehand. He didn't, Yeshua did not rebuke them for their lack of faith. There was faith, but the faith that they had was not enough. They believed that if Yeshua was there, that, that Lazarus would not have gotten sick. But now that Lazarus had died, this was something more serious. And Yeshua came to the grave. Most of you know the story. Lazarus comes forth from the grave. He rises. People are in shock. They are amazed. People start to believe. So what happened is he allowed and produced a reality of people around him to believe. So Yeshua took this small amount of faith that Miriam and Martha had, and he raised it up to a newer level, a bigger level to believe. Just remember, not everyone believed. There were some that were already planning to kill Lazarus a second time. Think about it, that, that he's just risen from the, the grave and people are already planning to, to kill him. God took the small amount of faith that they had and he strengthened it. I believe that the times that we're living in now, the amount of faith that we have now is not enough. I believe that God wants us to widen and strengthen our faith. He wants us to really be involved with what's happening in our country. If it's through our works that we do and through our prayers, I want to be one that can really bring about change in this country. I don't want to sit at home and just speak about the problems of Israel. Amen. I want to be an instrument in the hands of God to bring forth change in this country. If it's through prayer, if it's through the preaching of the gospel, everything that he calls us to do now, he wants to do good things, great things. Who, who has faith here now that we believe we can, that Haifa, all of Haifa, all Israel, all Haifa will be saved? Raise your hand. Who has faith that all of Haifa, we, if we say that all, I believe that all of Israel will be saved? Sometimes we don't even have enough faith that somebody from our own family will, ha will come to faith. Did we really believe what we sang, that I believe that all Israel will be saved? You know that we can be in our homes and we can sing this song for years. When, it, when I say I believe, it's not just this feeling down inside of me. But God calls us to do something. Do something. Act out your faith. Don't be ashamed. Believe. Amen. Believe and you will see the glory of God. Let's stand. Amen. Father, take away from us this lack of faith. Take it from us. You know that everything that we do that is not done through faith is sin. Brothers and sisters, God is looking at the body of Christ here in this country, in the land of Israel, the place where we're at now. We are, in reality, His hope for the people around us.
And each one of you here has a part to play in God's plans and purposes. There are different callings. But each one of you has a plan in the purpose of God. There are some people here maybe that do not even believe in Yeshua. I believe that there are people now here that you maybe think that you plan to come today, but God has really brought you. Today he wants to give you a new day. He wants to give you a new beginning. He's here to save. He's here to give you hope. 